Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. According to Northumberland County official reports, 78 people are homeless. It could be more. There are only 24 beds at Transition House, the county's only emergency shelter. People are sleeping in tents in the local woods. They sleep on the beach. They live in their cars. There are young people, single people, families, and shockingly, seniors who cannot afford to live in their houses anymore. Leaders from the Greenwood Coalition, Moms Stop Harm, and St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church wrote an open letter calling on the community to come out and meet earlier this week to brainstorm solutions. This interview puts the issues surrounding the meeting into context. Here is the interview. I'm so pleased to have with me today, Missy McLean, director of the Ontario Mom Stop the Harm and an advocate for housing. David Sheffield, executive director of the Greenwood Coalition and the Reverend Neil Ellis of St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. All of you welcome to consider this. Thank you. Why is it necessary to write an open letter to the community regarding the crisis facing people who cannot find a proper place to live? Who would like to start to answer that question? Well, I can jump in there uh, as someone who's been kind of involved with uh, the issue of homelessness uh, as a as a volunteer some years ago, and uh, in in my role at Greenwood Coalition uh, over the past few years, uh, we've seen a growing uh, um, uh, concern around housing, and you know, you and I have discussed this uh, um, over the years as well, um, and uh, and the the unsheltered homelessness we've seen increase in in uh, recent. Um, uh, the last couple of years, particularly, and um, and and there've been some responses to that, and we've been involved in in some of that. But I think where we where we stand today is the um, the need for just basic shelter um, for folks in Northumberland um, uh, far exceeds any capacity to do anything about that in in any of the official ways. So, um, you know, it's, it's like, uh, you know, the Humpty Dumpty story, uh, you know, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty together again. And so do we just leave, uh, um, you know, Humpty there or can the community do something? And, and I've, I've shown up to this issue at this time because I feel like there, uh, there is capacity and there are ideas in the community um, that aren't being tapped into um, at this point by official sources, and uh, and we need to we need to listen to folks in the community, and in particular the folks who are living this. Missy, why did you put your name to this open letter? I mean, for uh, a bunch of reasons, um, but mostly because the folks in this community 
who are being impacted by this housing crisis and in particular are being impacted by um, the stigma and, um, and the sort of um, othering that homelessness can bring upon folks. Um, th these, are, these are my neighbors. Um, these are, I'm in community with these individuals. And so um, further to what, you know, just building on what David was just saying, um, why write an open letter to the community about this issue? Well, it's because as advocates and, um, and folks who work in, you know, the homelessness sector and supporting people um, and faith leaders like Neil, we spend a lot of time uh, writing to and speaking to politicians, policymakers, et cetera. And as David was saying, those, the, the solutions to this issue have not come fast enough and are not coming, are not going to arrive fast enough. And so that's why we wrote specifically to our fellow community members, because that's who we need to speak to, because that's where we're going to find um, the, the solutions or at least um, the supports and compassion that folks need in this, in this moment. For those who may not be familiar with it, what is Mom Stop the Harm? Sure. So Mom Stop the Harm is a network of families across Canada who are all impacted by the war on drugs, which is, um, in our opinion, that it's a war on the people that we love. We're all impacted by either a substance use related harm or death. Um, it was founded by three women out West who each lost a son to a toxic drug death or drug adjacent death, I should specify. And um, they decided to turn their grief into action. And they started with 15 people at the first meeting in, two, in 2016. And we're now over 3000 members across the country. Neil, what, what made you a signatory to this open letter? Well, St. Andrews has had a, a long connection in serving the community. We've run a, you know, a soup kitchen out of the church once a week for more years than I've been a member of the community, uh, probably upwards of, of 20 plus years. Um, you know, and we all know that food banks were a temporary solution, and now they are somewhat of a permanent problem, a permanent solution uh, to, to, the, to the problem of food security. And that goes hand in hand with, uh, with housing. Uh, those uh, two issues are are adjacent. Um, and so uh, when I arrived uh, here in Coburg a handful of years ago, I uh, became quickly aware of these issues and uh, made some connections with David and, and, and have met Missy along the way. And it's uh, for, we might refer to it as, you know, a social justice issue, you know, people and, and housing is, is a human right. And that that's, that's codified. Uh, for me as a minister and as a person of faith, it's very much a gospel issue that uh, people are to be cared for, uh, that we're all to be cared for. Um, and so while we might not specify that as, you know, housing, um, where I come to it and the stories that I interpret on a weekly basis indicate that family and community matter. Um, and we're all invited and encouraged to be part of one wider community. Um, so in signing the letter, it addresses and says that there are members of our community who we're not looking after and that we're not caring for. And we've got to find a better way to do that. As David said, the official sources, they can only go so far and they can only address things uh, to a certain extent. So what are those community supports? What are those other ideas that we can implement and uh, try to move uh, things forward here? I'd like to talk a little bit about the content of the letter. 
And in it, it states that there are 70 people who, 78 people, excuse me, who are homeless, according to Northumberland County. How do we know this? Anybody want to just give yeah. me an insight? Go ahead, David. Sure. Yeah, I can jump in there. Um, so, so that number comes from Northumberland County Social Services, and uh, and they do the point in time counts uh, that are required by the province every um, every couple of years or so, uh, where take, they take a snapshot and 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 they never promise that that they're connecting with everyone, but they try to connect over a few days with. Um, with folks that, that may be living with homelessness and uh, and add them to um, to an active by name list um, as those individuals kind of do a little survey and they give consent for their information to be shared with other agencies and so that um, if if a person gets housed uh, if a person uh, um, uh, you know uh, or leaves the community or something like that um, they'll be taken off of that list so it, it's an active list that that um, is is coming and going at, at all times and so that's um that's currently the um the the situation there it doesn't capture those folks who are living unsheltered in the community or homeless in some fashion who who haven't been picked up in in that and so so uh, i mean I, i've encountered quite a few people this week uh who who aren't on that list but are are living outdoors and so so we know that at minimum uh that's what we're looking at can we put that in some kind of context? I, I wonder if somebody could help me understand 78 people in the context of what? 78 of how many people? I mean, are we talking about the, the total population of Northumberland? Is that how we should see that number? Is it high? Is it low? Because in, in the 2018, I think in December of 2018, the county reported that there were 93 single people and 10 families who were homeless. So I look at that number and maybe somebody else might hear that number and go, well, wait a minute. On the surface, it sounds like the number has dropped. And is this a sign of progress in the system? Could somebody help maybe give me or our listeners at least some kind of context to that number and how significant it is? Sure. So I think um, if we go back to the letter and, and the, the focus of the letter is about sheltering right now and, and the challenges that folks are facing to find shelter. And so the significance of the number of 78 individuals formally identified as being homeless within Northumberland County um, the significance of that is when we put it against the uh, official number of sanctioned sheltering spaces in the county, which is 24. So that's the math problem that we wanted to draw to everyone's attention, right? When it comes to this question of why are people sleeping outside? Um, why are people sleeping in their cars? It's because the math doesn't add up. That's fascinating because does anyone know how to compare like places of similar sizes to Northumberland? I mean, is it high in that regard or is it just simply that we need to look at what we're doing here? I guess, because Transition House, they provide more than just beds. They have people in local motels, they have places other where they're giving assistance, plus they have expanded services to help people. So they do a lot of things. Is it just as, as basic as 78 into 24 just doesn't work? Or is there something more to it that, that maybe needs to be flushed out here? Neil, what do you think? 
Well, I think, you know, you mentioned Transition House and, and the extra services that, that they do. And of course, all of that is of benefit um, and is, is going to be of assistance to those individuals. Um, what we're trying to address is, you know, we've got those additional people who uh, there is no space for, there is no capacity for within the system. So what do we do about those individuals, how do we how do we help them um, when we don't have any official spots for them? Uh, you know, transition house is full, uh, so they can't be helped even uh, with any even with uh, employment programs or anything additional like that. They're at capacity, so we've got uh, other other individuals who are uh, living unsheltered within the community. Um, and is that right? Um, you know, is, is, is that uh, the kind of, you know, community that we want to be where we say, well, you know, uh, regardless of what percentage of the population that might be, or regardless of how that compares to Toronto or Kingston or Peterborough, is it okay that people are living unsheltered? And if they are living unsheltered, how are we treating those individuals when, they're in, when they have encounters with other official sources? David, you and I have talked a bit about this before, but I'd like to revisit it because I think it's it's a really important piece of the puzzle. And that is, in the wintertime, we're very conscientious of cold and getting people into warming centers and giving them, giving them some temporary uh, shelter. And then we get into the summer and, you know, when it gets super hot, we do a little bit of around cooling, but it seems to shift. And you and I have also talked about the need for something year-round that is is addressing this can can we just go back and revisit that a little bit and, and flush that out some more so that people understand how the those efforts tie into what we're talking about now about sheltering people and giving them some place other than a temporary place to live Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we think about cold weather and, and, you know, get concerned about folks being out in, in cold weather. And, uh, you know, I think typically, uh, you know, more people are killed by the weather in, in hot weather than in the, uh, uh, in cold weather. And so, so taking those things into consideration and earlier today, uh, uh, Missy and I were, were talking about an individual that she came upon yesterday, uh, dehydrated, passed out beside the street. And there's a second person this week, uh, that she had encountered just around town and and so the 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 dangers are high um you know that i mean even things as, as simple as you know access to a washroom uh you know it doesn't matter what the season is you need to use a washroom and so um so thinking about this um <clears throat> i guess we're calling folks in to um to consider the fact that that we have this many people with nowhere to go there's nowhere legally they can go um, to shelter themselves um, and and so that's that's kind of the the critical piece uh, um, uh, at this moment, and that's a year-round situation, and uh, and you know we focus on housing and affordable housing, et cetera, et cetera, and often don't even get around to talking about the folks. It's it's almost like they're invisible, um, the folks that don't have shelter. Missy, I, I'd like to ask you about this because I guess what we're talking about is the the comparison between temporary uh, measures and permanent measures. I wonder if you could help us focus on that aspect of this and, and what you're trying to do at this meeting that's coming up. So I think I think what you're asking, Rob, is, you know, why are we focusing on the temporary shelters and not pushing for more of the permanent shelters? Is that is that the gist of it? So yeah, I mean, 
I think it's just basically about um, being pragmatic. I mean, the permanent shelters are not going to materialize uh, today or by the end of the summer or by the end of the year. And so we need to focus on the temporary shelter to keep people alive right now, just as what David was talking about and the impacts of, you know, this increasingly um, increasingly chaotic and um, enforceable weather that we're seeing and, and the impacts that's having today on folks, um, that drives the, the necessity to really focus on temporary shelter. Neil, I think I'll, I'll, if I can jump in there sure, just for a second, yeah, I think please. also focusing on, you know, being pragmatic and focusing on the short term um, in, in this situation, we're trying to have the, the dialogue with the community and, and if folks will, uh, you know, sometimes people notice the short term crisis, they, they notice what's in front of their face, and that's an opportunity to start the conversation. And, uh, and that's what we're, we're hoping that this is the just the beginning of, of, you know, actual solutions. Mm -hmm. Neil, I, I wanted to ask you about uh, an aspect of the letter around affordability, mm -hmm. because while we're, we're talking about taking these immediate actions, there are these deeper systemic problems around affordability. So uh, the letter talks about people on fixed incomes like Ontario Works or the Ontario Disability Support Plan, ODSP, or seniors. Can you explain some of these challenges that people are facing? Well, I think those are, you know, when we look at the real estate market, when we look at uh, inflation, the rising cost of gas, food, whatever it might be, we can, everyone is feeling that pinch right now. So imagine you're on a fixed income, uh, which hasn't kept up with uh, past uh, uh, inflationary pressures, which uh, we might consider more normal. Um, and so from a systemic point of view, in terms of our social services, well, it's it's good that there's something there and it's good that people receive something. It hasn't kept up with market rates. It hasn't kept up with uh, housing costs. Um, and, you know, people now have to make a choice about, you know, what, what bill do I pay at the end of the month? Do I feed uh, my family? Do I pay the rent? Uh, do I uh, find someone else to, to live with so that we can, uh, we can share and split a rent and hope that that works? Um, and so, like I say, it, it, it's, it's wonderful that, you know, we have a social network, that we have a social safety net, but that social safety net hasn't kept up with the rising costs um, that people are bearing. Um, and that's forcing them into situations where they're finding themselves uh, homeless or um, underhoused. Missy, I know you're with the Northumberland County Legal Center. And one of the things that was brought to light in the letter is about evictions. And I guess this goes back to something that's very seminal about this issue. In the letter states that there has been a sevenfold, that's a 700% increase in evictions between 2020 and 2021. Can you shed some light on what has happened here? Yeah, so Rob, I'm just gonna um, clarify the number a little bit. It's a 700% increase in the number of housing related matters that the staff have seen, have been dealing with. And it's really, it's important to clarify because I don't want to um, give false data, but Thank you. I mean, that's still a huge jump, right? And that's folks who are calling for it. I mean, primarily for land, landlord tenant board issues around, you know, questions about, do I have to leave my unit? Do I have to do this? Um, so while we can't uh, enumerate the actual number of enforced evictions, because as we also say, no one's keeping track of that number. Um, I, 
I am uh, working on some data crunching that I've been able to access to see if I can get a sense of what the numbers have been um, in terms of hearings going before the landlord and tenant board over the years specific to Northumberland County. But even then that data won't tell me if they were enforced or not. So no level of government um, and, it, and no tribunal managed by the province is actually keeping track of how many people are being forced out of their homes. Um, but what I can tell you about, you know, what we're seeing and I, um, what we're seeing at the, at the legal center in terms of this huge increase in the number of housing related matters is to just paint a picture of like what those matters look like. And, um, you know, the, the team that works at the help center, which is adjacent to the legal center, we, the staff there and I talk about this constantly and what I think is really un. Uh, not known, widely known in our community right now, is the impact that the housing crisis is having on seniors. Seniors who have lived in an apartment for decades, right, maybe maybe years, maybe decades, have paid, um, you know, a reasonable amount of rent for their one-bedroom apartment, and now in this hot housing market and all, you know, a variety of different uh, factors, their landlord uh, is selling, and uh, that turnover in ownership is now resulting in this senior facing homelessness for the first time because they are being pushed into a market where they cannot, you know, they've been paying maybe maybe $800 um, rent. And now to enter the market, they're looking at $1,800 for a one bedroom apartment. Um, and they're being, you know, essentially being told that what they can afford is maybe a room in someone else's um, house or, 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 um, or apartment, but that kind of displacement from the community. So it's forcing, you know, um, when we did our, uh, event to, um, sort of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Introduce the letter, sorry, to the community at Victoria Park campgrounds and, um, and Nicole Whitmore from Greenwood Coalition, she talked about that displacement that, that folks are experiencing. Um, being forced to, you know, being priced out of the community where they have lived for so long and, and being forced to seek more affordable options way out of where they have, where they're connected to, you know, other, you know, to, to friends, to family, um, to the services and supports and, and um, professionals that they are, receive their care from. And just that's the kind of thing that we're seeing um, so much of at the legal center. David, the county just released its annual report on its housing and homeless strategy. And without going through item by item, it is a grocery list of its accomplishments it has achieved over the past year. And if you read it, it's lengthy and it gives uh, an impressive uh, list of what has been done. If the county was doing so well, all this great stuff, why are we getting a completely different message from this open letter? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Uh, uh, you know, I guess uh, they they map out uh, you know their priorities and measure against those those priorities. 
Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, I think, you know, some progress is being made uh, on, on, on housing related issues and, and some folks who were homeless, you know, have been housed along the way. And um, uh, but I think as, as Missy alluded to earlier, the, um, the, the concern has, has increased, you know, more rapidly than the response rate of, of sort of the, you know, institutions who have taken on these things. And so, uh, you know, even looking at, you know, we talked about 78 people on the, the by name list uh, as, as being homeless. Uh, the last point in time count was in September of last year. And, uh, and so, you know, what's happened since September? Uh, well, I, an awful lot of property have been sold, an awful lot of people have been evicted. Um, uh, a lot of things are happening really quickly. I think, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, people can see, you know, in their neighborhood, the, the, you know, for sale signs going up, but, but I, I'm not sure that the general public kind of understands what's happening under that. And, and so, you know, where, where we're situated, you know, more at the street level, uh, encountering people, um, you know, we're seeing more people who have, uh, you know, nowhere to, to go. Uh, you know, using a tent, uh, uh, sheltering themselves somewhere. And uh, Missy alluded to the, uh, you know, folks like seniors who, who may have a car when they got evicted. And we're seeing more people living in their cars now and, you know, finding places to, to park their car and, uh, and sort of surviving that way and feeling, you know, a little more safe and secure than someone in a, in a tent. And so, you know, that's, that's um, there, there. There are different ways of of looking at you know any particular challenge, and uh, and I think that that um, in in the same way that you know, I guess it's a question of you know sort of setting the standards, and we uh, you know the government can set standards of what what is an appropriate response or what is a measurable response to to a concern, um, but then that comes down to the neighborhood and the uh, and the community and you know do we think it's okay to to have uh you know hand, hands up if it's okay to have 78 or or more people sleeping outdoors in in your neighborhood um you know whether or not the government thinks that that's a you know that's an acceptable level and so so that's you know again that's why the letter that's why the uh you know looking toward a, a community conversation about this uh, uh is has become our focus Neil, I'd, I'd like you to elaborate on something that David was just alluding to. You know, we have, all of you have sort of mentioned the, the, the struggle to get good numbers that represent the situation, that give us a snapshot, is, which is the kind of thing that most bureaucrats and, and, and people in the community might want to see that, that points out what it is. And yet it's such a struggle to get your hand, a handle on what exactly is going here. But David's alluded, Neil, to this other side of it, where it becomes a question of morality. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned about just to, before I get to you know, the morality and how we fix that, you know, you're talking about, you know, the number and how, how do we know what that number is and not to be overly preachy, but I'm, I'm, I'm preaching on a passage this Sunday where Jesus encounters a man who's, who's homeless and living on the outskirts. And his first word, some of his first words to Jesus, who is a religious authority, is do not torment me because he's had negative encounters with individuals in authority before. Um, and so when it's hard to how do we get that number, a lot of people don't want to come forward. They don't want to be counted. They haven't had positive experiences. 
from a morality point of view, you know, we have, we have to ask ourselves, what kind of a, a community do we want to live in? Uh, several years ago, pre-pandemic, we had a, uh, it was around National Housing Day, we had a, a movie showing at, uh, at the loft about uh, some of the things that go on behind the scenes in the housing market, and some of the things, we discussed some of the things that were happening in our community in terms of uh, observed drug use and uh, individuals living homeless and, and the community not being happy about that, uh, you know, not about that happening happening in their backyard. And so we have to ask ourselves, well, we know that that's, those individuals are there. Uh, we have the numbers. Um, and we have to ask ourselves, you know, if we don't have a permanent solution on where they can be housed, how do we want to address that moving forward? How do we want to be uh, human uh, towards one another? How, how would you know, for lack of a better term, how would we want to be treated, treated should the roles be reversed? Um, you know, would we want our dignity be, to be respected? Uh, might we want our privacy to be respected? Um, different things like that. Things that uh, people who are housed, like myself, um, like all of us um, on the call here, take for granted, right? That we have our privacy, that we can close the door and and we have our privacy and uh, we can, and our dignity is maintained. But when you're living without shelter, when you don't have that, um, those options are, they're sometimes stripped from you. Um, so how do we as a community um, allow, um, allow that to be restored to these individuals, right? And, and part of that is saying, well, if we don't have a house for you to live in, and if we don't have a shelter bed for you to sleep in, um, we're gonna leave you alone. Right, and we're going to allow you to to uh, work within the system and work within your means to um, uh, to move forward with with uh, with your life, um, and we're going to provide the supports and the compassion that are necessary for those individuals. And I think that that's the compassion, that that's the the moral response. And you know, the moral response isn't the legal response, right? The legal response is there's a bylaw, you got to move on right? But the moral response is there's nowhere to move on to, right? So we're just going to get another phone call in 30 minutes and they're going to get asked to move along again. That doesn't solve anything. That doesn't, it creates more problems. It creates distrust. So how do we navigate that as a community? Uh, what are we willing to do? How are we as a community willing to come together to, to address this? Are any of you or your organizations represented on the homeless coordinated response team operated by the county? So uh, Greenwood Coalition is is part of the, um, uh, yeah, we call it H Court for short, but uh, yes. Missy? No, no, we don't sit at that table. Okay, Neil? No, St. Andrews doesn't do direct casework with uh, individuals who would identify as being on that list, so we're not a member of that table. All right. So that, Rob, that's uh, um, essentially the, the frontline um, uh, agencies that have a frontline aspect uh, to homelessness in the community. And that table is, uh, is typically the frontline workers uh, who, are, who are in face-to-face -face encounters with folks who are homeless. Uh, and so uh, some of our staff attend that. But it's tied to the county and the county is the bureaucratic leader then for addressing homelessness in terms of the politics and yeah yes that's right that's the uh the layer so i guess what i'm trying to get at here is 
um, when we talk about having community solutions and bringing people from the community to create solutions, it's not as if the county is not aware of what's going on in the front lines and organizations like yours, David, are at the table expressing these concerns on a, on a consistent basis. Am I, am I correct in that? Yeah, that's correct. Yes, sir. All right. Can let me go back to something, Rob? Absolutely, okay? please. Yeah, when you were asking David about the county and of the numbers and and how you know their responsibility for housing and homelessness in this community, um, I just think it's um, important to also situate that the county works within um, you know their constraints um, in relation to the province, right? The province is is the province holds the land they the um, rental the sorry the tenancy act um the finance you know their finance minister like so much of what is tied to housing and homelessness is the is the um portfolios of the provincial government and so without action at that level uh the county at the county level it it, it rolls down and impacts the county's ability to address these issues as well right so when we have a provincial government that refuses to increase social assistance rates that have been frozen since 2018 and do not keep pace with the rise of inflation, let alone just allow people to live a life that is not below the poverty line, or, you know, has a landlord and tenant bureau that has shifted to an entirely online service delivery model, which um, pushes so many folks out of the process of being able to actually engage in a mediation or any kind of conversation about what they're facing in their in their housing situation um, that the county can't really intervene in those pieces so we really have to make sure we're looking at all levels of government and the accountability in terms of how this issue is being addressed thank you for adding that i i think what it speaks to and and i was going to get there with a question but i'll jump in right now is the complexity of this whole issue and it's, fa it's fascinating because what you just described is something where I don't know about anybody else, but it starts to feel, I'm sure listeners feel very powerless to get the Ontario government to do anything. Maybe we feel a little more optimistic about getting the county to do something, but you guys are gonna be holding an event that is going to try and do something at a local level, which I think speaks to the complexity of all of this. So, um, David Vollen told you to uh, to answer this yeah, question. Yeah. So maybe you could tell us about this event and why it's significant. Yeah, and I mean, and folks did just have an opportunity to tell the provincial government how they wanted to address this issue. And unfortunately, they chose, you know, or the, the majority of people who turned out to vote chose that, that this wasn't an issue that necessarily was a priority in their, um, in their mind. Um, so that's unfortunate in and of itself. So going back to your question, um, you know, for folks who are feeling powerless, for the folks who, who or the folks who have an idea, um, who have an experience, who have um, something that they want to share and be heard, that this meeting that we're, that we're holding on Tuesday, June 21st, from 6.30 to 8.30 at the Columbus Community Center on Spencer Street, this is the forum where we're inviting those folks to come to feel empowered, right? Because that feeling of powerlessness is imposed from above. So we're offering a space where people can reclaim that feeling of empowerment by being able to speak their truth, by able to, being able to 
share their ideas by being able to connect with one another. Um, and then that's where we're going to start to see um, those feelings of, oh, we can make a difference. We're not powerless, we can make a difference. But what, how we make that difference is by starting to be in community together and working together, listening to each other, and then building upon those strengths. Neil, what would you say to people who are listening as to why they should be involved? I think getting back to what you were saying a few minutes ago, Rob, about, you know, if you feel powerless about being able to impact the provincial government, if you feel powerless about having an impact or influence uh, on the, uh, the county or even the municipal level, you know, what kind of impact can you have within your neighborhood, uh, with your immediate neighbors, with uh, those who live on your street? Um, how, how do you advocate at that level? How do you change things um, on that level? Um, and so if we're seeing that trying to apply pressure from the top isn't isn't working then let's work from the bottom up and make uh, make tangible change within our communities within the relationships that we have um, with uh, with one another uh, and that's going to lead to to real and structural changes within our own communities and uh, you know let's we can try and filter that up um, and, uh, and and work with one another and you know failing all else you know, I would hope that we would at least have a, a larger uh, sense of compassion uh, and tolerance for other individuals and, uh, and their experiences. Um, you know, if we change nothing else, maybe we can at least change our outlooks on an individual level um, about the very human aspect um, that is this uh, th this issue of housing, homelessness, and, and being able to shelter is that these are people these are people who live in our community, have lived in our community. In many instances, are seniors uh, who are on fixed incomes. Um, and so, you know, let's see the humanity in one another that this this addresses. Um, and if if nothing else, um, let's allow that to happen and, and come together around this and grow. Missy, if if I can't make it on Tuesday night, do I have another means by which I can express my thoughts, my ideas? Yeah, so I think this is, a, that's a, I'm so glad that you asked that question, Rob, because it really speaks to um, part, a big part of the intent behind this meeting that we're holding on Tuesday and what we hope to um, offer to the people who show up, but even those people who can't show up. And that is to deliver this um, message that there is no professional qualification required to connect with your fellow community members, with your neighbors and to start a conversation and to say, what do you think about this? What do you have to offer? How can we work together on this? Um, so if people can't come to the meeting on Tuesday, then what I would encourage them to do is to have their own meeting. And it can be on the street corner, it can be in their backyard, it can be via Zoom, whatever way they have to connect with others who have a similar interest in talking about this issue and feeling empowered to do something about it, then they don't need, they don't need to be with us necessarily on Tuesday. They can do that whenever they can, they can find the time and the community to do it. David, I'm going to give you the last word. 
Yeah, I think uh, uh, Missy hit on some some really important pieces there that uh, we don't have a particular uh, agenda or plan laid out uh, going forward. Um, we're we're facilitating a conversation in the in the community um, where the community can you know uh, listen to each other and uh, and figure out are there some things to work on? Uh, what would those things be? Who who has who has some, you know, gifts, talents, abilities to to bring to this? Um, what, uh, um, you know, what are the people experiencing homelessness um, saying to us? Uh, what are what are the solutions that are coming from there? We very seldom uh, hear from people who are who are living with this, and and we have great conversations one to one with folks, and so we're we're hoping that um, that uh, some of those individuals would would come and share uh, their thoughts and, and just generate some new uh, new ways of thinking and uh, you know it's you know you've asked about the structures and all that kind of thing and how complex and uh, discouraging it is um, I see this as a positive way forward uh, a way that uh, that we can focus on some possibilities uh, rather than just throwing our hands up because we're almost at the point of throwing our hands up and we don't want to do that so gather with some neighbors and uh, and let's see where this goes. Missy McLean, David Sheffield, and the Reverend Neil Ellis, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks, Pleasure, Rob. Thanks. Thanks, Rob. That was Missy McLean, Director of Ontario Moms Stop the Harm, David Sheffield, Executive Director of the Greenwood Coalition, and Reverend Neil Ellis of St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me. And I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in. And I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at Consider this Northumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.